Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog covering your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD. Joined this week by Burkus Circus. How's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing well. First time on in a while. My laptop is currently out of commission, so I'm using my roommate to set up for this. So, RIP Burkus laptop. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we're recording this on Sunday of All Star Weekend a semi-annual celebration of the stars of the National Hockey League. Uh, and it was an exciting weekend for uh, the one Blue Jacket that was there, Zach Wierenski. Well, I should say two Blue Jackets. First of all, Stinger won the yes. hardest shot at the mascot competition, so congratulations to Stinger. Uh, then Wierenski won the fountain face-off at the skills competition, yeah. and that was part of the Metro Division team that won the tournament on Saturday. So... What were your thoughts from All-Star Weekend? What were the highlights for you as you watched all that? Highlights? Uh, the game, I mean, I love this three-on-three mini-tournament format. It's Absolutely. great. I really think it's, like, the format that NHL should use for, like, a long time. Maybe, like, doing training to, like, a draft instead of divisional. But beyond that, like, the game itself is great. The skills competition, I think... If I would, had been there in person, I would have enjoyed it a lot more because, my God, did ESPN commentators suck. It, like, Z's response, I think, some sort of pretty well. He was like, did you practice for this? And he's like, no, this is the first time I shot pucks off a fountain. Like, <laughs> they, they had no idea, like, how to commentate for this. And it was just so, so painful. And so, yeah, it was bad, but... Yeah, I I thought with the, with the skills competition, it they did a better job than most years in terms of highlighting the individual players, you know, yes. and putting a spotlight on them. The problem was so many of these players that were there have so little personality. I know. Yes, and, and even Wierenski, you know, I think uh, he's got a bit of a sense of humor, but it's a very dry one, and so he comes across as very dull and dry sometimes Mm -hmm. so it's not really great for tv um now i did like that they brought back the breakaway challenge yes and there were some guys that really did show their their uh their personalities trevor zegras i thought was the best and he should have won so (laughs) yeah i mean that's the kind of stuff we want to showcase so 
hopefully yeah. the next few years as we get more and more of these younger guys in, these guys that you know grew up in the you know guys of your generation that came of age in the 2000s and early 2010s yeah. and they're super Cole skilled. Cole Soldier is, yeah. is younger than me. It's wild. Yeah, exactly. So getting more guys like that in, I think yes. they'll be able to have more of a personality to showcase and that will be something for the, the league to embrace. I definitely think one of the other podcasts I listened to mentioned this. I think having Zegris there, even though he didn't play, was a really good call. And I, yes. I kind of, part of me wants to see them do that more. Like, you know, just have like Subban there, have, uh, God, the NHL has zero personality. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else. And all I got is Zegers and Subban. Vechnikov, I guess. Sure. For Zikins, I, I like, like Elvis is great, but he should not be like number four in the NHL personality index. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this is something that they borrowed from the NBA because for years now, the NBA has brought in non all stars to compete in the dunk contest, three point shootout, yeah. things like that. And so. I think it's smart for the NHL to do the same thing here. I also think that Zegers probably should have been an all-star regardless. Yeah. But I understand they're dealing with limited rosters for this, and they Uh want every team to be included, which I think is – it is right that every team be included. But, you know, I would have had uh, Zegers and Terry on there for the Ducks instead of John Gibson. As good as John Gibson is, but those guys I think are more all-star worthy this year. But, yeah, I thought the weekend overall went about as expected. Uh, the fountain thing was fun. The new card game thing was decent. My only issue with those is that they filmed those the night before. And because they had to shut down the strip to do those, they were kind of in a time crunch and they couldn't, and because of secrecy, they couldn't have fans there. And I thought those events real, especially the card game lacked for not having an audience Yes. Because I, I think it made them pretty low energy, which was unfortunate because they could have been a lot more entertaining. And like, realistically, you could have done the card game thing in the arena. Like, you could have just set up a big wall, like, on one of the goal lines, just have them shoot from the blue line or something. Like, I don't get why it had to be an outdoor thing, except for just saying, we are in Vegas and we get to close down the Las Vegas Strip because we're in the National Hockey League. So Yeah. And even then, the way they shot it, though. It's not like you saw a lot of Vegas in the background. It could have been on a city street in any downtown. It, like, it looked like an abandoned parking lot. Yeah, so that was a good idea. Credits them for being creative yes. with that. Execution could have been a little bit yes, better. that's a good summary. Um, so because you're our jersey expert, uh, what was your take on this year's All-Star jerseys? PD, they were so glorious. <laughs> oh, my God. These, these are probably the best All-Star game jerseys ever. Oh, okay. Like, strong take. Like, I was on another podcast with the jersey, the same one that was to talk, I talked about earlier, and we did an All-Star Game jersey draft, and I took these first overall. Like, the blue one especially, my God, I'm so happy Wierenski got to wear them, and I'm happy Drysaddle got to wear them because I'm probably getting a Drysaddle one because I like – one of my friends is German, so I want to have a German jersey. Nice. But, yeah, oh, my God, they were so good. They were so good. I, yeah, the, the blue the blue color that really the blue popped. Exactly, yes. My beef with them, I generally have an issue with the way that the NHL has done their All Star jerseys. I think that as much as possible, they should have jerseys which somehow are obviously connected to the city or the host yeah. team. Um, you know, like, like when Columbus hosted, and they had those abominations that oh, like Monster that. Energy cans that were black and neon. Black and neon are not part of the Blue Jackets color scheme. Yeah. 
And now, especially with Dallas unveiling their alternates, those look like they should have been like a Dallas All-Star game. Exactly. Would have made perfect sense for a game in Dallas. In some years, they have done jerseys that have fit the color scheme of the host team, and then other years, they just go away from it completely. It's not consistent. That's really frustrating for me. I think it needs to show you, you need to be able to look at highlights and like, oh yeah, that game was in that city. And, and Vegas has such distinctive uniforms, and you don't yeah. want to just completely rip off the Vegas uniforms, but something about them that would very scream, this game is in Vegas. I mean, I think it helped that they had reverse retros last year, which had a similar V template. And I think that V template is how they were planning on tying it in. But yeah, I think you could have easily uh, keep the double blue one because that is gorgeous. Oh my God. It's so good. But then like have like a, an addition, like have a gold one, have a red one, have a gray one or a black one. And this, that way it's like very obviously Vegas. Uh, maybe like add more of the metallic gold Vegas uses, those are like are my only critiques, though. Beyond that, fantastic. As part of All-Star Weekend, Gary Bettman did his usual State of the League press conference. And as part of that, they announced the special events for next season. Uh, we already knew that the All-Star game is going to be in Florida. We knew that there was going to be a stadium series event in Carolina. Uh, but then they announced that next year's Winter Classic is going to be at a very novel location, uh, Fenway Park in Boston, where they've already done it. And you have thoughts about this. I have several thoughts about this. Okay. I'm going to try to approach this argument with, uh, with the least amount of Columbus slash Ohio State slash Blue Jackets bias possible. Sure. So there have been this, I believe this is the 15th year of doing the Winter Classics. I think due to lockouts and pandemics, I think this is the 12th. 12th, maybe 13th Winter Classic okay. that they've done. I believe this is like something like the, I would guess like the 30th outdoor game with like the Heritage Classics and Stadium Series and all. Mm-hmm. And even outside of the horseshoe, like, okay, of the top 10 North American stadiums, how many would you guess? Well, obviously the big house has. So outside of the big house, two through nine, how many would you say have hosted an NHL event? What would be your guess? Of the largest capacity stadiums? Yes, top 10. Maybe just – well, I know a lot of them are either NASCAR rinks or college football stadiums. So mm-hmm. probably just, uh, yeah, Big House, Beaver Stadium at Penn State, and maybe Notre Dame Stadium. No, it's zero. It's zero. Be- Beaver Stadium hasn't hosted, and that is – arguably should maybe get like they did two Pittsburgh Philadelphia stadium series. Like one of those needed to be at Beaver stadium. Sure. Like looking of the top 50, there's only been eight that have hosted an NHL Hmm. event of the top a hundred, only 14. So like you should not be repeating at this stage. Right. Uh, Major stadiums that I just pulled through that haven't hosted Beaver stadium, Horseshoe, those are the obvious one and two. You need to get those squared off. Uh, Rose Bowl is understandable why they haven't done that for a Winter Classic, but Stadium Series, that needs to happen probably eventually. Sure. Uh, Lambeau Field of the Packers, that hasn't hosted. LA Memorial Coliseum, USC, that hasn't hosted. Uh, Spartan Stadium, MetLife Stadium, the Superdome, First Energy Stadium with the Browns, that would be a good candidate. The, Olymp- the Montreal Canadiens have never hosted an NHL event outdoors. Well, do they have much in the way of an outdoor facility? I guess where the where the in- impact play. 
Outdoor, the Olympic Stadium, for one they hosted, would be their best candidate. Well, that, that's an, that's an indoor facility, though, and it's garbage. It, oh. it's, it, it, it's an actual, absolute crap ball. It was there in 2004. Well, for there's an outlet's place somewhere, so... Yeah, well, and I, I mean, they've, they've got the MLS team. They play outdoors, but that's not a... Yeah. Still, you need to have Montreal host it somewhere, somehow. Even if it's, like, outdoors, like they did for the NHL 100 Classic. Sure. Or the Lake Tahoe games. Uh, Great American Ballpark. Camden Yards would be a fantastic host spot. Sure. If you want to stick with Boston, you got the Yale Bowl. You have Harvard. You have uh, – you could do a neutral site game at the Army. Like there are so many great stadiums that have not hosted. And I feel like to repeat at this stage is kind of dumb. Yeah. And I get why they want to do MLB. MLB logistically is is the easiest thing to do because they are nowhere near a season. Uh, but also like – I get Fenway's great, but like, I don't, it's just the idea of rehosting before, like, I'd also get it if it was like a winter classic stadium series, like split, mm-hmm. but I have two winter classics. Boston was just in Lake Tahoe. They, before that, they were in 2019. They, Boston isn't really like lacking. I, th- I think it's simply like the, the Bruins have been in four or five outdoor games at this point. This is their fifth. Yeah, they, they have had three winter classics and then the Lake, Tahoe, the Lake Tahoe game and then this. Yeah, it's it's absurd. They're, and I understand they're, you know, they're one of the original six teams. They're a big they're a big draw that team, but like yeah. still you got to spread the love a little bit. And when there are teams that still have not been in any kind of outdoor game and yeah, uh, it's, Arizona, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Arizona which no. Uh, Columbus, Florida, Seattle haven't played. Yeah. Well, and some of these, some of these places, even if it doesn't make sense for them to be a host of an outdoor game, you could at least have them be the away team at yes. an outdoor game, which, you know, uh, the stadium series this year is going to be Tampa playing at Nashville. And that's yes. great. You know, it, it, you can make that work. Um, so there, there's, there's no reason to not share the love a little bit. Yeah. That's another one. Bring back the Thunderdome. Come on. That'd be great. There's just so many other better options. And like also with the Bruins, you're kind of out of jerseys at this point. Yeah. Like they did their uh, inaugural jerseys in 2016. They did the uh, like first iteration of the B circle in 2010. They did their like inaugural ish, super stripey B one in 2019. They did their or era stuff with the reverse retro. Like at this point you got like, I guess you could do like an even simpler version of their 2019 one, but that just, it just seems like an underwhelming decision. Yeah. And they're, you know, one of these original six teams that their Jersey hasn't changed that much. A lot of these original six teams, like they have this kind of look that they stick with and only do slight tweaks on. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, if you go do anything different, it would be something that would be maybe completely different than anything from their history. It would be a little, a little yeah. But like then again, what other history do you have to draw from? Like you've dominated the hockey scene in your market for so long. It's not like the stars where you have like the I think what the sorry the Dallas Texans to throw back to, or like the Predators where you had the Dixie Flyers, or even the Devils with uh, their new alternate, which I think is based off the Newark Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's basically just a Chicago Blackhawks, but that's a 
another <laughs> rant for another time. It's just you have already drawn from most of your history. Right. Like the best options are probably their original, like the Pooh Bear, but yeah. that's probably coming back for the reverse retros next year. Right. And then the B ones or like the yoke ones that they had back in the nineties and two thousands. Yeah. Like they, they're pretty much out of things to throw back to. Yeah. And that's why this whole thing just feels like the NHL is out of ideas. So they're just going back to the old tried and true, but there's plenty more ideas out there. They just need Mm -hmm. to like, they're afraid of taking risks. That's, that's like, that's why the all-star game falls flat. Well, the skills competition for it fell flat. Uh, The NHL is afraid of taking risks. And, and, but like the thing is, some of these are slam dunks, like LA Memorial would be great. Beaver stadium. Great. Horseshoe. Great. Camden yards. Great. And, but none of them, they want to go back to Fenway because Bruins yay tradition. Yeah. And you know, it's totally obvious that they should have an outdoor game at the shoe. Yes. Uh, But even if, you know, they accepted the reason, well, you know, they're going to have to winterize it, blah, blah, blah. Then, do it, do it at lower.com field because they just hosted a soccer game in January. So obviously they can host winter, you know, they can host winter events. It's totally fine. Or do it for the stadium series. Yeah. I, I, I do think, yeah, in, in Columbus, it would have to be a stadium series rather than winter classic because you don't want to compete with, you know, possibly conflicting with the bowl game. And that's totally fine. But, and and I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care whether we have winter classic or stadium series. That doesn't really make a difference to me. Yeah. I just we should have an outdoor game here. We should be able to host that, and we've got multiple facilities that could host. That. Or like, if you are really worried about like the plumbing thing, go to First Energy, go to Great American yeah. Ballpark. Sure. Like, how do I don't know what Toledo's football stadium is or how much capacity is, but do that. Oh, oh the glass bowl is super super cool. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. Do that yeah, against but... do that against Detroit. You, yeah. Hell, you don't even have to designate Columbus to home team. Then you can do Detroit as the home team. Sure, that's fine. But, but it's in Ohio. We'll go to it. It's, it'd be yeah. Great. Hell, if hell, if we're if we're playing a stadium series against Arizona, I'll probably find a way to go to that. <laughs> but Arizona is a whole other mess right now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we we don't have to talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about the Blue Jackets here once we get back from this break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. 
You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Now, the Blue Jackets, they had another up and down week before the All-Star break. Um, lat, um, two weeks ago on the podcast, I predicted that they would beat the Rangers because that made no sense. And sure enough, they beat the Rangers and it made no sense. But hey, they did it. They also beat Montreal, which wasn't a pretty game, but it counts. And then they lost a horrible game to Calgary. And then an 8-4 loss to the Panthers, who, uh, well, you know, at least 8-4 was better than 9-2. So did, did you learn anything from those games, or is it still the same confusing Blue Jackets? Yeah, it, it's just this team has a consistency problem. Yeah. And that's just going to come with youth. I mean, it, I was, it's insane how much the East has already decided at this point, standings-wise. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's... I mean, it, it, the crazy thing is that they'll come around and pull these, like, insane performances against, like, Carolina and the Rangers one game, and then the next game they'll be stinking up the joint against, like, the Calgary and Rangers game for literal back-to-backs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this team's weird. I guess embrace it, embrace the fun dip, whatever. Yeah, I, you know, I do, I do like that they, even after the stinkers that they have, they're able to respond to them. Yes. Um, so, you know, they, that Calgary game, first they gave up, what, 62 shots on goal in that game? It was ridiculous. 12th most in NHL history that since they've started taking that stat, most since 1991. Wow. And obviously it was a Blue Jackets regular season regulation franchise record. Did they even give up 62 shots in that, like, marathon game against Tampa? Yeah, yeah, because Corby had, like, 80 saves or something in that one, so. Okay. But yeah, then they come out the next night and, you know, we were curious, how are they going to respond to this? And sure enough, they had a, a fire lit under them and they, uh, and, and that game started out, they were, they went down early, but they were able to bounce back, which is something I really mm-hmm. appreciate that kind of resiliency. Um, and, you know, same thing, you know, against Florida, they gave up some goals early, but then they managed to crawl their way back into it. It was five, four at one point, mm-hmm. And uh, then they let things get away with it. The- from them at the end of the second period and that kind of put the game out of reach uh which is unfortunate yeah. uh, but but the the rangers game too this was not the first time they've played the rangers and i feel like when they're and i plan on writing about this at some point doing some research into it but i feel like as they're facing teams multiple times they are showing improvement in those games you know like the the first time they played carolina there was just a flat-out beating the second time they had a big lead on them, but then blew it. The third time, the Jackets imposed their will on them. So I think they yeah. that's a sign, I think, that they are learning some things as they go along. Um, so I'm curious, this coming week, uh, they start a five-game road trip. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah. Woo. Uh, so obviously these are games that were not originally scheduled for February. It's supposed to be the Olympic break, um, but they had to make up the games that were postponed to December and January because of COVID. So first they they go to Washington and this will be, I believe the third time they face the Capitals. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Then they, this week they go to Buffalo who they've already beaten and Montreal who they've already beaten in Montreal. So uh, I feel like there are two very winnable games there, but then there's the Mm -hmm. Washington game, which again, it wouldn't surprise me if they found a way to win that game and then lose one of the easy ones. Yeah. 
because these are the Blue Jackets, what will probably happen is that we'll beat Washington and, I don't know, let's go with Chicago because screw Chicago. Mm-hmm. We'll get overtime loss versus Calgary and we'll win against – and we'll, no, not win. We'll lose against Toronto. No, God, I cannot English. We'll <laughs> lose against Buffalo and Montreal because we're the Blue Jackets and nothing makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, another thing to look out for is how the team weathers some injuries – Jake yeah. Bean, Alex Texier, and Eric Robinson are all out for multiple weeks each. And um, mm-hmm. especially Texier and Robinson, I feel, have been such energy guys for this team. Um, yeah. And I, I think they're really going to miss – they would miss just one of those guys, but having both of them out is something that really concerns me. Yeah. Who knows at this point? It's it, like we could go – let's see. How many games are you playing? Three, six, ten? We, we could go three and seven this month. We could go eight and two because we're the Blue Jackets and nothing makes sense. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. And anything is on the table here. Of course, as another thing to look out for is that, um, you know, as we get into March, then the trade talk will start heating up and we'll see which players might be on the move and uh, our offseason plans might come more into focus there. So, but that's something to talk about in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. For more content from The Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow The Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.